0: Hello, everyone. This is the Mystical Motherhood Podcast. I have a guest today, Annie Brooke, the creator of the Brooke Institute. She is on talking about how to heal birth trauma that happened within you or if you gave birth in the past and it didn't go as planned. This is one of her specialties. I found her through a organization called APA which works with birth psychology. It's very rare in my opinion in this field to find people that focus on perinatal and somatic psychology Um, and she does. She has a PhD in it in fact also in human sexuality and development and a specialty in conflict resolution. You can really tell through our interview that she's truly embodied the practices that she teaches and uh, in this Podcast, We talk about healing birth trauma that happened to you or happened to your child and how to do that, how to connect to your nervous system in a way that you're not relating to something outside of yourself to know that you exist, but to actually slow down enough to touch into your body and your mind that you exist in space and time without relation to to your work or what you're doing or the the daily activities you go through and only when you get to that place of this slowing down you get to this deeper healing within the cells within the somatic field so that you can really embody your authentic self we talk about how you get there which is you know having that kind of information is profound level of healing And what else do we talk about? We talk about the deconstruction of the feminine. I don't know how we got into that, but that was really, really fascinating. I'm definitely gonna have Annie Brooke on again. I thought she has a lot to teach everybody. She has 30, 40 years of experience in this field of working with moms and babies and couples. We speak a little bit about IVF and how that affects the mom and, and the baby in the future. All kinds of things. She's got a lot of, you know, information over the years that I'd love to learn from. She has a course coming up. It's called Healing Birth Trauma. And it starts next Tuesday. She didn't get a chance to mention it. So I wanted to let you all know that it would be great if you had any birth trauma. You know somebody who did. Or or if you gave birth, you know, if your own birth trauma. But it also talking about if you gave birth and, and experienced Know something negative through that, and you have guilt, and the child your child may be holding that. This is where she's going to talk about how to heal that in person with you. I hope you like this podcast. If you do, please leave a five star review, please leave a little letter. You can always reach out to me at mysticalmotherhood.com, email me at mysticalmotherhood at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, or anything you're going through. If you want to work with me privately, all my information is there for you to do so. I have written many books. Mystical Motherhood and Fertile seem to be the ones that women love and go to all the time. My newest book will be coming out hopefully in the next year. It's incredible. I think talk about it a little bit in this podcast, but it's a lot about the deconstruction of the female. So I look forward to teaching you all more and more. I hope you like this podcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to have um, Annie Brooke here to discuss her work in therapy and how she has helped couples, women, children heal. And she has a method that looks a little bit different than other therapists that I've seen. And I'm going to have her introduce herself. I found her through an organization called APA, which is an organization the only organization I've ever found that's professional that looks at birth psychology. And so what a lot of my books are about, as you, as anyone, the listeners may know, is about the thoughts, behaviors, emotions, and diet affect the baby within the womb and can basically epigenetically program the child. And so when I thought of this, I thought I was like, it came to me as if, Wow, how did I not think of that before? And then I realized that there's been just a few people, not that many actually in the world, that have also thought of that. And so I really wanted to have Annie on just to speak about her work, and we're just going to flow with it. So Annie, would you introduce yourself to everyone?
1: Sure, I'm happy to. First off, gratitude for your work, because the more we can support pregnant mothers, the more we're helping society. And so I want to say hello to all the mothers and parents listening out there and that I am a a geeky somatic psychologist. What that means is that I had to listen from the inside out to my own obstacles and difficulties that a lot of it stemmed from being born premature. I was one of those hyperactive, reactive kiddos And my mom did the best she could. She actually did a great job. However, it wasn't until I was trying to heal from some trauma in my 20s that I became aware that I had birth trauma. I had grown up in a functional family with, you know, there were five of us kids, and we all did real well. And I read Dr. Chilton Pierce's book, The Magical Child. If you haven't read that book, it's so inspiring about the consciousness of the, in a way, I would say soul of the baby. And I was in a four-year training program that worked with the body and the group process and emotions. And I read about how ch- children can be resting on their mother's chest right after they're born. And I was furious. It was an instinctive body memory that came to the surface of being in the NIC unit, whisked away from my mom right after birth. And that led me on a whole journey of discovery. I realized that memories can exist prior to thought. You know, cognition in the brain doesn't start until age three, according to the science of it all. However, impressions register. So I went on to do my own healing, to study body psychotherapy, to find a brilliant body of work from Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen that really invited me to go into my infant development patterning. And so I started working with babies and babies who are crawling and helping mothers Learn how to help their babies roll over so they didn't crawl in funny ways. And I became interested in sensory motor processing. And so my path was this winding journey of healing my own integration. Because being born premature, you can miss some of the milestones developmentally that support the ability to handle stress. You can be highly functional, like a gifted child. So that was my. Uh, This is the way to say that I love this work. I love helping parents discover how to support their children in ways they might not have thought of. I say sometimes love is wonderful and it's not enough. Sometimes a child needs to come out of shock related to birth trauma. Sometimes a mother needs to heal her own birth trauma that could be very unconscious prior to giving birth. So these are the things I've worked now for decades, helping families, children, adults, because adults actually, many of adult difficulties have to do with unresolved nervous system patterns left over from early attachment, meaning that the infant is asking these questions. Is the world safe? Will I survive? Will I survive in relationship and will you keep me safe? I call that the biological imperative. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. all, Yeah. And but I
0: have questions, I always do, and they come up as you speak. One is what in your history do you find to be the most important thing women can do during pregnancy? And second question. As you're talking and forming that is what do women do that have, you know, had birth trauma or had a crappy pregnancy or, and maybe they overworked during pregnancy. Maybe they work so hard, they're stressed out. Maybe they were going through, you know, like someone died in their life. How can they help themselves to come out of that, forgive themselves and to help the baby?
1: This is the first thing I would say to all mothers is you did the best you could. It's very, very important to not feel guilty, to not blame yourself, because the thing is, here you are. And how do we add resources that help reduce difficulty rather than add more difficulty through blame, guilt, regret? You do have to process those. And so, one of the things I help mothers do is process emotionally the leftover remnants of their birthing experience or their pregnancy experience. And I do that by helping them slow down enough to actually feel and remember.
0: So, when you say slow down, I think of my old self when I would like constantly need to work, write another book, always be doing, always be working out, you know, and so then I could never feel. So I was constantly in reaction and now I've changed so much. This is, I'm just saying, so people can kind of understand in their own lives. I don't know what I'm going to do during the day sometimes. And so, you know, like my life is completely different. And in that over these past couple of years, I've been able to feel actual, without feel rather than react to the past. Is that what you mean by that? Slow down?
1: Yes. It's a whole process of helping a nervous system that is reactive or high strung or just completely overwhelmed and having to function on top of overwhelm. These are the truth often of modern life. And so how to develop the skill set to pause, to reorient to the moment instead of a mental construct of a, you know, checkoff list of what you need to get done, and to learn to take in perceptually what you see, what you smell, what you feel. And literally a baby's processing speed is about six to ten times slower than an adult. So often to help adults go back and integrate whatever happened in their birth, things like Pitocin or forceps or C-section, I have to teach them how to slow down enough to sense and perceive. Can you tell us how you do that? (laughs) The great skill set. It took me about two years to learn how to do it for myself. I have a free PDF for your listeners. They can go to anniebrook.com and download what I call the satisfaction cycle. That's a short little paper, and it looks at how does a baby develop the ability to get their needs met if they're lying on the floor, You know, they learn, they practice, they feel. How do they see something and reach out and take hold of it? And you'll see them bring it to their mouth, right? That's a baby's way of learning to feel satisfied. And so there's five little actions in this paper. The first action is how you slow down because it's called yield, Y-I-E-L-D, just like, you know, we see in our driving, the yield sign, it means slow down. And in that process, there's a whole uh, learning. It, it's in my book called From Conception to Crawling about the tone of the body, the tissue tone. Now, if we're hyper excited and busy, we might be what's called high tone. If we're Exhausted and depressed, we might be called what's low tone. So part, yeah. Do you mean tone by
0: sound or energy, or
1: do you mean tone by physical physicality? I mean tone by the quality of the tissue. Is it too tight? Is it too lethargic? And you can feel this, you can practice it just by lying on the floor. And and seeing, do I really rest into the floor? And I would like you to lie on your tummy or your side, not sit upright unless you can't be on the floor, because you want your organs to rest into gravity. We are so primal, primary as really sensory beings. And so having your organs rest into the support of the floor but you might notice you're, you're lying on the floor, but your head's going a mile a minute. I'd call that high tone. Or you lie on the floor and, oh, you just collapse. And that could be low tone. And then what you practice is you deliberately make yourself high tone so you know what it feels like. You get very high tone. And then you go, wow, okay, what happens when I'm high tone? Well, maybe I stop breathing as much. Maybe I'm ahead of myself. And then you deliberately make yourself low tone. And the reason you take the time to do this is so you can practice throughout the day finding middle tone. Mm -hmm. Even if you're a busy mama. Because you have to feel it in order to shift it. That's key with somatic support interventions is it has to somehow register inside you. Whoa. you voices. This is like Eckhart Tolle in his book.
0: He, now I get it. But when I first read it 10 years ago, I was like, what is he talking about? And it was, it was like, can you feel your toes? Can you feel your body? And I was like, no, I'm busy. Right. <laughs> and this is what you're saying. You're just saying late. And he said it by like lying down and filling your body with light or like, so you could feel your body. You're just saying, Recognize how fast your mind's going and recognize if your body's limp or stiff and put a connection in between so that they become in balance and harmonized,
1: right? And what's key here is to actually imagine you're like a starfish. You can even squeeze and release your tummy because you need sensation, not just light. You need to be able to push into the floor and feel yourself that you actually exist. That's a sensory perception called proprioception. And that's what, you know, babies miss when they're born C-section. So then this
0: happens and you slow a woman down. So she gets to that place. Then how does she begin to see those birth patterns? Like, how do you make her get in touch with those things?
1: Well, we, once she can actually rest and, stay relational, not ahead of herself with a lot of mental activity. Then we start to, if we're working on her birth, it depends, you know, and and with mothers, I'm also going back and forth between their own bringing born memory in their body and their memory of giving birth because they will just both come to the surface. So I will sit with a mama and I will Remind them and help them orient and slow down. We we call that calling a pause. And then I will ask her if she remembers or heard any stories about her own birth. And then we will try to imagine, wow, what did that feel like to little infant you? And that's often when people will discount that experience. You know, I have to. Oh,
0: sorry. Go ahead. Well, I would have to say sometimes when I work with women one of the things sometimes when it comes up is I say to them let's let's go let's go up and let's look down of why we met our parents and why we chose that body and what was it like inside your mother's womb. And they can remember. They're like it was that exciting. And yeah. or it was warm, or oh, this woman did not want me, or uh, they have these things like they can sit and then their body begins to feel it and remember. And then they go into, well, this is they can easily see the pattern of why the th- things had to happen in a certain way by taking this step back. And it's then you're bringing them into the birth canal, which I don't typically go there, but
1: yeah. Well, what's wonderful about what you do is it starts to give difficulties meaning. And once we have the meaning behind it, our nervous system will begin to relax and integrate or become curious. So we're not sort of defending or rejecting our experience of life. It's like, oh, okay, you know, I didn't want this to happen, but maybe here's why it did. Mm -hmm. And so I often, you know, sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I didn't really want to be part of the family I'm in. And I said, well, the truth is you were in that family. So, how are we going to help you process the experiences you had from in the body, not from resisting? And that's where emotions come up, felt sense returns. I've had mothers uh, and adults remember the experience of forceps and literally being pulled out in the wrong direction, they were spiraled ready to come out one way, the forceps came in, and they pulled them out in the opposite spiral. And I like to get it down to the physical level for healing so that the nervous system isn't holding on to uh, defense structures that it doesn't need anymore. So an example, one adult in her 60s came to me with a neck tremor, and she was the one who had been pulled out the wrong way. It had strained her ligaments and the tremor didn't appear till she aged. But once we could actually listen to the fear the baby went through, her baby self, and the anger, she processed that emotionally and her neck tremor disappeared.
0: Hmm. What can moms do that are listening that have had birth experiences that weren't what they were hoping for? And they have children that are, you know, even past that now. What, what can they do for their children if you're, they're not with you in person or they, can they work with you online? But what can they do at home for them? What do they do?
1: Yeah. One is I have a lot of free resources. I have a YouTube channel that has a lot of in support for understanding birth trauma. I have a class I lead people through online. And with the children, on, I do this online all the time, is I tell, help tell the story of their birth using stuffed animals. So you go to a child-friendly language, and you externalize the experience. And you can say, you know, pick I have them pick someone to be mommy, daddy, and baby. And here's these little stuffed animals. And then maybe we pick stuffed animals to be the doctor or the midwife or, you know, just to get the context of what happened. And then we sort of show the story and ask the child, oh, what do you think the baby felt? And We start to put them into a, a, a social emotional connection with themselves. Now, often one of the dilemmas is the parents need some support first. Because they've got a little bit of hidden trauma. Because mothers, you know, they just have to take care of the baby. They don't often have time to process their own birth experience. And so I I will often meet with the parents uh, one time before I include a session with the child. Just to help the parents know how to slow down. To connect with me and understand how you're working with. A kind of intelligence that everybody has. It's spatial, it's physical, it's emotional, and it's mm-hmm. integrative. And so, mothers out there, um, you know, watch some of my free videos or you can, I've got uh, PDFs called Birth Trauma, Birth Mama. I encourage mothers who've had C section to actually finish their birth push physically. And my PDF describes how to do that. So you kind of get that power back in your system. And then you you can start to engage in the healing, really. And all it means is this experience that already happened is no longer held in your nervous system, either as a disappointment or as an aggression or as, you know, a, a, a sorry or resentful or, or sorry for your child because you did the best you could and here you are and your your child is here. So that's what I encourage is to externalize the story, tell it in child friendly language. Uh, make sure you pause anytime there's any emotions and allow them to be there. We don't want to make up a fairy story of happy baby, happy birth. We want to just, wow, what really happened?
0: And other than working with birth trauma in this way, do you, uh, what are some of the other things you like, do you work with women like in therapy? How would you recommend, let me ask a few questions. Women and self, like a common thing I see is women in self-esteem and self-worth, you know, being mother, like and motherhood. Um, dynamics in couples I guess that you see that is common over all the years you've had experience touch into some of those things like um, another I mean the third thing I don't know if you work with women like this but women that are challenged by fertility issues and that you know that or loss and abortion or you know child loss and how do they move into another pregnancy or trust that that it's going to be okay the next time. Those are some big things I see with women a lot.
1: These are such real life experiences and to have the compassion and the tenacity to keep going. I'm working now with a couple online who had a conceived a child IVF and releasing some of the agony of that whole experience for the couple because it's very challenging. And then I've worked with children conceived in that manner who sometimes are very controlling or very fearful or you know there's something going on physically that's being displayed that would put them in the question whether does this child have Asperger's or does this child have you know sensory motor issues often if the child Can if the parents can get it, that the the child as a little gestating egg was aware of its siblings and that loss. Now that's amazing to me in terms of IVF. It's like, I learned this from a 13 year old who came running into my office. She was in a panic. She had one ball in her hand and she goes, the other ball flew over the fence. Where did it go? Where did it go? And I told her, oh, I have balls upstairs. She ran upstairs to my office and then she relaxed, fell asleep. And I asked the mother and the mother said, oh, yeah, she is a twin brother. But we had also two twins that were dissolved because I couldn't carry four children. Well, this little girl, this 13 year old remembered somehow. And so what I encourage uh, children conceive that way is that the parent's Allow the story in child friendly language and you do a little goodbye ritual to all those siblings that didn't come with you. And, uh, you know, i worked with a seven year old. She walked into my office. First thing she does is get every ball I have and put it in a circle all around her. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if she's IVF. And sure enough, that was the situation. Wow. That's you know what I thought was so fast because I work in IVF
0: and reproductive medicine. And mm-hmm. and I also do which is what a little bit different about my work cuz I do a lot of the spiritual work around conception but then I also think there's a very practicality of it about you know if you're fertility issues get help. I'm a, you know so there's a right. mm-hmm. And, but I do think the biggest issue is control and fear and the amount of fear and control. I mean, I can totally understand why, and I can see why. Then when you get the baby, you'd be terrified of losing it. And yeah. so I actually, I came out of IVF terrified myself, mm-hmm. though I don't have fertility issues. Mm-hmm. But I I, hold, I held all the women's issues within me. It took me... Oh, I mean, wow, I'm ter- yeah. terrified because I, I took on so much of their stuff.
1: Yeah. So wow. Much of their
0: story that it became my story, but it wasn't my story.
1: Well, see, that's what the nervous system will do. We're relational beings. Mm-hmm. And so we are experiencing almost secondary trauma that way. And how to off gas that. And how to, I always say to people, don't, please don't blame your life. Whatever happened, happened. But do take the courage and the time to integrate so your nervous system can relax and you can learn to thrive. That's kind of the goal.
0: So for people that, I mean, so there's a lot of ways that women are traumatized before they even have the child, right? So many of us. And then we are such high coping mechanism creatures that we pretty much can take on anything. Now, from a day-to-day life, if somebody doesn't know how or what you're talking about of calming your nervous system and you can't lay on the floor and you got kids running around, what can they do? Like what are like six things during the day that can calm your nervous system down?
1: You can push against the wall to feel that you exist. Wow, I exist. If, if there's a lot of screaming, uh, there's a PDF in my free library called 123 Magic. And it's really, I didn't invent this method of parenting, but it helps parents set limits. And I have worked with lots of parents where a couple weeks of learning how to do that, their life changed. The kids were not running around screaming all the time. And and so that's another thing you can do is learn how to have that tenacity to intervene with the kid before you're bribing them, before you are bantering with them and they are, you know, just leading you down the rabbit hole of resisting whatever, doing their chores, that you actually have little limits and consequences. It's not punitive at all when it's done correctly. And it helps a child feel safe that actually there's an adult who can hold structure for them, and they get to learn how to live within healthy containment. So that's another thing you can do. So that's called uh, 123 Magic, a free PDF on my website. Another thing you can do is widen your ears. Sometimes when there's noise, we contract against it. So you could widen your ears and sing. You could reach the the little muscles of your ears. You could reach out to take in the sound. And you can, uh, you know, I always, with the kids in my office, when they start to get wild, I love the potency of the wildness. I love the passion of it. And they need to know how to direct it or redirect it into something that works. And they, ideally, you want a child to be able to have a excitement and rest the ability to get excited creative curious but not hyper excited and the the ability to because hyper excited leads to exhaustion or fighting so learning to bring that field into balance over and over again so the child knows how to sustain their own inner balance
0: so what it sounds like just to repeat back so what it sounds like to me, it sounds like your teaching is to find out that you exist within your body, within space and time, in relation to your feelings and your your emotions, or not just emotions, but your body and your mind, but rather in relation, because most people relate to time and space by what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so they're, you know, I am going on a run now. I am going to work now. I am um, typing now. I have to text send this text message or I'm scrolling now. So that's how they relate to time and space. But you're teaching to slow your nervous system down, relate to time and space without any other activity other than yourself and expansion, but not to leave your body to do so. Yes.
1: Yeah, so and not to just, you know, have your body be the machine and you're driving the machine. But it's actually that you are, oh, I exist. I can see, I can smell, I can feel, I can have emotions. And you know what's
0: interesting is I'm going through my own uh,
1: understanding
0: of this exactly, but in a different way, is who am I without you know, work, who am I without all these outside identities? Like I even stopped my podcast. I stopped working with women. I stopped working for a period of time. I, I, I only thing left I had was motherhood. And, and that really isn't an identity. That's something God gave me. So that's what I, how I, so I was learning to relate to myself in time and space and that and, and touch into that nervous energy of like, and really get into authenticity I love uh, hearing that because yeah, and it and that's really what is authenticity, and authenticity is dropping into who you are in time and space without a relation to identities that you think you are.
1: And so I should to talk about that for a second because what yeah. you went through that's really powerful is I call it deconstruction. You took the time to deconstruct. In a way, all that you know, who you thought you were. I went through that in my mid 30s and it was fantastic. I literally quit everything, moved to Lopez Island and lived in a teepee. And I worked with a really good therapist. And, you know, I had the, I would come and work every two months. I'd come into Seattle and work for a couple, you know, work for a week with clients. And then I'd go back out and just garden and slow down. And go through the grieving and the fear and the release of kind of the identity self. It is a very unique
0: opportunity to embody the feminine in a way that other people really don't, I've never experienced. And I really think it is the feminine And what we, so this is, I wrote another book and this is what it's about, but it's, it's, it's what we don't know what the feminine is because we identify with the feminine as the masculine. And so when we take away what we define as worth, which is if I don't have a job that pays me this much, that's in competition with him, then who am I? Where does my power come from? But I found in this slowing down, and I don't know if you did and you've seen other women or men or anybody go through this, that I personally became, I don't know what you'd call as powerful, but anything I think now happens quickly. Anything I say is manifested. You know, if I, and it's, and it's much, I can see exactly in time and space that time and space slowed down for me. Mm -hmm. And and Mm -hmm. So, when I was going really fast to get everything, nothing was happening at the rate I wanted it to. But when I slowed down, it happens faster.
1: Yes, I understand what you're saying. And it is very, for me, that deconstruction was very deeply rooted in the feminine. I didn't know that, but I was drawn to books like uh, The Pregnant Virgin by Marion Woodman, Leaving My Father's House. Uh, There's a book called The Time Falling Bodies Take to Light. And it was a lovely expose about the Sumerian goddess myths. And I started, you know, it was kind of the deconstruction itself is the myth of Persephone in the underworld. And all those uh, sort of inner psyche experiences deepening, deepening the sense of what is feminine nature. And I've had I've coached men through these journeys as well. So it's not just a you know, just for women, but the time to deconstruct and for mothers to meet the earth mother, the great mother, regardless of who, what family you were born into, what kind of mother you had, the great mother exists. And when that becomes palpable, there's a faculty, you know, years ago I taught clairvoyant reading and me, me, what's now called energy medicine. And I learned there that everybody can actually tap into faculties that are just not so common in the busy world. What and was deep- the name of that third book you said? I
0: heard the first one. I know people are going to want to hear this. The Pregnant Virgin Leaving My Father's House. And the third one was?
1: uh, The third one was The Time Falling Bodies Take to light, which is kind of a play on words, but it's also about coming down into the underworld. Yeah. Right? And yeah, perception. I love that. Yeah, and another one that was really important for me was called Moon Under Her Feet. Oh, well, that's a and beautiful it, book. Yeah, the story of Mary Magdalene, the story of Jesus told through the eyes of Mary Magdalene. Mm. And so, you know, reading some of these non self-help-fix-it types of books, right? You want to read mythology. You want to read things that open your soul in a way. Because so often we're trying to fix ourselves to improve. And deconstruction is not about that. So
0: would you describe to me how long your deconstruction process happened? What you know, if a woman's like, whoo, what is that? What is deconstruction? Tell me how to do it. My my new book does, and I'm so excited to share that, which what? is oh, it's beautiful. But I want to hear like how many years you'd had that happen, what happened afterwards? The you know, what was the transition period of the embodiment of this deconstructing?
1: Well, it was so interesting. I had just completed my master's degree in organizational development and family systems therapy. And that was a process where you really look at loyalty to your family dynamics and loyalty to any dysfunction. And so I got myself a really good therapist after that program because I realized I was still struggling in my relationships and I was still kind of struggling, even though I had a lot going in good ways for myself. And as I started to work with that therapist, I was also I had decided the year before to start crafting. So I was making I had read a book called Medicine Woman. Again, these books that are not self-help books, but they're kind of interesting. And this was about the feminine, the, the depth of the medicine woman from another culture. And in, when I read that first book which was by June Andrews. And I decided I'm going to make medicine shields. This was long before they became popular because it would take me to nature and I would craft these things, which was calling up my intuition. So that was part of it. So I say to women, if you have a way to craft or make art, it doesn't matter. It's not for anybody else. It's not a performance art, but it's crafting from your intuitive self. And my deconstruction, I first got my own apartment and lived alone because I had ended a four-year relationship and realized I need to learn how to be by myself. I was still working and all that. And I often volunteer at like children's hospital and work with traumatized kids, that sort of thing. So I had structure and I had my income, but I needed to live alone. Being raised with one of five, I hadn't ever lived alone. So that gave me, and I know what I don't want us women to think is they have to have the circumstances I did for this to work. Because once you understand deconstruction, you can find a way to do it in modern time. It just, you have to challenge your structure a bit to make that happen. But for me, I uh, took time in nature. I I decided I'm not going to socialize a lot. I'm certainly not going to date. I'm going to get to know myself. And so part of it was a contract with self to spend my time doing other things than I normally did. And so I allowed time to change. I allowed intuitive activity, creative activity to happen. And then I would just sort of follow my nose. What's next? And I had had a power dream years before that influenced me. And I went on a a journey, you know, just I took a weekend away. I was living in Seattle and I went on a journey. I heard about this location of a little canyon and it in my psyche connected to my power dream. And I went on it and it felt like it was a psychic death in a good way. I was just so willing to let myself as I knew me die. And it was, it doesn't mean that's not scary. It was some of the deepest fear I'd ever felt, but I realized what was going on. You know, I had a good therapist. I knew I wasn't going crazy. It will feel like that when you deconstruct,
0: but it feels like you're psychologically, I mean, I, luckily when I had it happen, my friend my my friends that knew me, they're like, You're gonna come back from this and, and I and I helped, was holding on for dear life, you know, and everything died away. All relation I mean, I had people dying, I had six people die in my life within a year. I mean, yeah. I'm talking die. Like I, I even would say, I think you're going to die soon. I saw it and and they, they would die and they were not supposed to, it was unbelievable. And then I was moved and I lost my job and then I lost my friends and I lost my relationship and I lost everything I identified with until I just woke up and I was like, where, what's left? And yeah. then I had to move through absolutely everything and it's become the most incredible catharsis experience to make me the strongest I've ever been. And I birthed one of the most powerful books from
1: this death. That's what happens is I think there's it's helpful to understand the process so you don't go crazy and it's helpful to get supported in the right ways. But one of the biggest supports is to know it's happening and to allow it because you can't really fight it. I mean, you can, but you'll end up sick usually.
0: And so from this, what was the timeline for you, for people, for myself going, you know, I'm kind of coming out of it now. I'm, I'm, I'm I guess. And for people that are like, what is she talking about? Or I want to try that. Or that sounds like, I mean, if you ask God or spirit, they'll give it to you. It'll happen to you. You just have to be ready to let go of everything. And most people don't like 95% of the population can't change. And 5% of us love to change, but all of it's just ego anyway. But so it's really letting go of everything. How long was it for you?
1: For me, it was about a year and a half. Okay. And on the other side of it, I met my future husband. My me life too. My started blossoming. Me too. I had to meet myself first. And what I want to really, really highlight for your readers is, you know, moms with families... You're not going to let everything go. You've got kiddos to take care of. You've got to um, understand the process, not as a woman without child responsibilities, but how can you interweave this deconstruction while maintaining enough practicalness to stay functional? Right. So maybe you have a woman's group that supports you or maybe you have you give your time yourself a time late at night where you make art. You know, or you journal. That's just your sacred time. And I just want to say, you know, and I understand parenting can be exhausting. And so there's times when you have to go, oh, do I sleep or do I journal? Well, maybe you just say, hello, I love you, in your journal, and you take a rest. But the process will happen. It's like a personal ritual, which has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so once you intend to accept that opportunity, it's almost like your spirit or God, how do you like to view, will help guide you. Maybe you'll just have a moment to walk into a bookstore and a book jumps out at you from the shelf. It's your, what I love about this process is it's not somebody telling you what to do. It's you following your nose from the depth of, oh, the unfolding of your intention. Like, oh, I want to be my real self. You know, I have had years of adapting to other people. I want to be my real self. Now, I want to say often that deconstruction, which, uh, you know, doesn't happen until you're about 35. 34, 35, you know, in my graduate school, they would not let people into the program until they were 35 years old because you had to have enough built-in psyche to handle the deconstruction of your family of origin because that's an emotional process. And so we often in the breath in the you know the era of quick fix you know make me better it's hard to know that you are actually healing and integrating through a process that seems amorphous at times
0: that's incredible this has been such a great conversation
1: <laughs> I love yeah, it I didn't so think we here but here we are yeah Um, I don't, I don't
0: know what else to even ask you. We covered so many things. I'd love to have you back again. This was great.
1: I'd love to be back. i I just want to say to everyone listening, I am so happy you exist. You know, don't give up. Don't forget that you're in a way a child of God. You know, not not in a woo-woo way, because I run across a lot of woo-woo people who are escaping some of their own unprocessed pain. And when you can bring spirit and soul all the way into self, then you shine. And, and going into the darkness of deconstruction is partly how you learn how to shine. Mm-hmm. Because that inner light can glow in the dark and you learn to see in the dark, which helps you not be so worried that it's all for nothing. So thank you so much. A pleasure to be here. Do check out my free resources, you know, birth trauma, birth mama, YouTube, Zanny Brooke, and um, keep going because you are so, so worth it. And And your website Yeah, the website is Annie Brook, spelled B R O O K, Anniebrook.com. Tons of resources there. I have an Instagram channel called Annie Brook Therapy. And I love giving away or sharing, I call it, sharing the practical tools that help you heal. That's my passion. Thank you. Thank you, Annie.